From the Yale Sustainable Food Program, this is Chewing the Fat. I'm your host, Erwin Lee. We center our show on people making change in the complex world of food and agriculture. And sometimes that leads us on deeper dives into the ideas and issues they work on. Food waste is one of these topics that's become more mainstream in recent years. It's commonly cited as an environmental problem contributing to climate change, condemned even more when we put figures of how much we waste next to numbers for world hunger. Still, what are some questions we might not often be asking? This week, podcast manager Josh Kimmelman looks further into how we've come to define the problem of food waste. In 2018, an investigation by New Food Economy found that employees of Kroger, one of the largest and most profitable grocery retailers in the U.S., were among the biggest recipients of the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, formerly known as food stamps. So many of the 500,000 people who work for Kroger in the United States qualify for this anti-poverty, anti-hunger program, which really just tells us that they're not paying their workers enough to afford even basic necessities like food. When asked for comment, you know, they gave the usual spiel and that they were looking into it. But the sort of final line that the PR person said was that through our Zero Hunger, Zero Waste initiative, which is their banner anti-food waste initiative, you know, we're feeding people in our community. So you can't fault us for contributing to the problem of hunger because we're solving it in this other way. So. That, I think, is like a perfect, discrete example of how food waste is basically undermining all of these very anti-poverty solutions or approaches to the issue of hunger in a way that does not cut into the bottom line of a corporation like raising wages would be. That was Austin Brynjarski. This past spring, he finished his master's thesis at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Its topic? Corporate power and the politics of food waste. In summer 2017, Well before he'd enrolled in graduate school, I heard Austin give a talk called Food Waste Diversion is a Diversion, and it got me thinking critically about food waste for the first time. Austin, and others like him, suggest that the conventional narrative around food waste gets a lot wrong, and could even be stunting progress rather than promoting it. You've probably heard at least some version of the food waste story. Here's a quick recap of how the problem is typically defined. Statistics vary but a well-known report published in 2012 by the Natural Resources Defense Council, a major environmental nonprofit, said that as much as 40% of the food in America goes to waste. At the time, that amounted to $165 billion of food. All this wasted food accumulates in landfills, where it decomposes, emitting a significant amount of methane gas and accelerating climate change. And while all of this food goes to waste, millions of people in the U.S. still live with food insecurity, people that food could feed if it were diverted from the waste stream. Since this food waste narrative has gotten plenty of attention in the past several years, today we're featuring alternative perspectives to complicate it. That's not to say that the conventional perspective is wrong, but it's important to think critically about it. We'll start with the topic that Kroger has brought our attention to, food waste and hunger. At some point, you may have heard not to waste food because, quote-unquote, there are starving children in Africa. That tired line's complicated geographical and racial politics also allude to another complex political issue, 
anxieties around feeding a growing population. Here to start us off on that note is our other guest, Max Elder, the research director of the Food Futures Lab at Institute for the Future, a nonprofit think tank based in Palo Alto, California. There's a lot of discussion in the food space around the desire and the sort of fundamental challenge of feeding something like 9.7 billion people by 2050. And most people in the food space get really pissed off when they hear that because they know it's not about feeding those mouths. It's not a production problem. We produce enough food today to feed everyone in the world. Part of it is a distribution problem. Part of it is an overconsumption problem. And implicit in all of this is a fundamental question that often remains unasked, which is we don't just need to feed people, we need to nourish them. And not all food is nourishing. Max connects this to how we think about waste. Most of the discourse is just food waste is bad. We need to adopt strategies, design business models, create consumer awareness to minimize food waste. I think this is largely misplaced. When you look at the concerns around food waste, if we're concerned about hunger, I don't care, honestly, if Cheetos are wasted. People shouldn't be eating Cheetos who are nutrient deficient. So maybe we care less about wasting junk food or empty calories and instead should be much more concerned about wasting healthy food. Another way Max put it, not all food waste is created equal. That doesn't mean we should go around wasting Cheetos willy-nilly, but it does remind us that food waste is not some uniform category, nor is hunger a problem that just comes down to empty stomachs. The problem of hunger is fundamentally related to the problem of poverty. And absent any interventions to address poverty, we cannot attend to the problem of hunger. And because food waste is more concerned with redistributing food and not redistributing power or not redistributing money, it can't fundamentally put a dent into the problem of hunger. From this perspective, food waste doesn't have much to do with hunger, but they are brought into conversation with what's called food waste diversion. Diverting food waste to the emergency food system, like in food pantries, to animal feed, and more, has gotten increasing attention in the past decade. Plenty of people would be quick to acknowledge that this is not much more than a band-aid. But it's possible that it's not even a helpful one. To learn more about why Austin feels that food waste detracts from more fundamental progress on hunger, check out these two books, Sweet Charity, Emergency Food and the End of Entitlement by Janet Poppendike and Big Hunger, The Unholy Alliance Between Corporate America and Anti-Hunger Groups, by Andy Fisher. With hunger, the traditional narrative says that food waste diversion can turn a problem into a solution. But the other major part of the narrative concerns food waste and the environment. Here are the environmental impacts typically identified. So not only does food waste that enters the waste stream and goes into landfills, not only does that generate methane that then causes climate change, but also it's thought that by wasting food, we're also wasting all of the resources that go into producing it. Resources like electricity, water, pesticides, fertilizer, animal feed, and fuel. Not to mention labor. Most of these things can be tied back to further resources behind them, like more electricity and fossil fuels and thus to climate change and pollution. The conventional take is that by reducing food waste, we can reduce the waste of these resources and the production of methane in landfills. But as mentioned before, not all food waste is created equal. From an environmental standpoint, 
most animal products are much more carbon intensive, have much higher inputs in terms of grain, in terms of water use. So wasting part of your hamburger as opposed to wasting some of your broccoli, there are much different impacts to the environment between those two different types of products. And I'm much less concerned about wasting broccoli and much more concerned from an environmental perspective about wasting animal products. Max makes clear that when he thinks about waste, he's not so much concerned about the waste itself, but the systems from which it emerges. This is the challenge, right, is what's the framework through which we evaluate these systems in the first place? And there are other externalities to our food system. There are labor, animal welfare. There are a whole host of implications. And how do we incorporate those values, those concerns, into our notions of waste? And does it matter that trillions of animals suffer every year for our food? And is that a, a helpful guide to think about waste? Like, is it a problem that we waste suffering in systems? And how do we measure that? And how does that guide consumption decisions? I think is a really urgent question that I don't see anyone in the food waste space thinking deeply about. Given his concern for what happens around the waste rather than just the waste itself, I asked Max why he's chosen to write so much about food waste in the past few years. The goal is largely strategic. I'm very concerned about factory farming. I'm very concerned about animal agriculture, industrial animal agriculture, and largely I'm looking at exploring avenues for trying to change these systems. And insofar as there's an increasing number of people in the food system, eaters, businesses, who are concerned about waste, it seemed like a helpful framework to leverage and somehow utilize to create a conversation about our consumption of animals and that impact on the environment. As I was thinking, you know, and reading a lot about food waste, lots of people just throw around all these statistics about how maybe somewhere around a third of all food around the world is wasted, perhaps maybe a little bit higher in the U.S. And I was thinking about, you know, when you look at animal products, there are inputs like feed. Chickens happen to be some of the most efficient animals at converting calories of feed into calories of meat. And the rough conversion rate is about you have to feed a chicken nine calories of quote-unquote input to get one calorie of chicken meat as an output. And that's 800% waste. So if we're really concerned about the amount of waste in these systems and we don't fail to see that we eat higher and lower on the food chain and the higher foods that we eat on the food chain actually have waste inherent in that system itself, then maybe waste is a pressure point that we can push to reevaluate animal products. Then we waste those products. So there's a multiplier effect. We waste the feed inputs, and then we waste some of the meat, and then it turns out like, gosh, if we're really concerned about waste, maybe animal agriculture is really high up on our list of culprits. This is perhaps like too provocative and somewhat of a crazy statement to make, but I guess I'll make it anyway. Perhaps we need to think beyond waste as we've so far been talking about it or even conceptualizing it. Perhaps we need to see the person who eats that pound hamburger, which is a huge hamburger, um, Perhaps we need to see that person as actually wasting food, as actually wasting part of this system, even if there was no quote-unquote food waste as we so far think about it. Thinking about waste this way might well be too provocative, but it also raises questions about how we think about consumption and waste. And it reminds us that pounds of hamburger or calories of Cheetos or broccoli or animal feed are simplifications that may not tell us quite what we are and aren't wasting. Even the comparative metrics Max uses to make conversation reasonable and understandable can't do full justice to everything that's going on. 
As he suggests, we need to be thinking differently about these things altogether. Pointing to some of this different thinking, Austin argues that the way we measure environmental impacts may not hold a lot of water when it comes to food waste. Environmental management disciplines like industrial ecology have used these measurement technologies and these calculations to try to understand what the environmental impacts of a whole range of products are. The main method, life cycle assessment, or LCA, which measures the environmental impacts of a product over its entire life cycle. LCA forms the basis, for example, of carbon footprinting. It's basically this tool to get some fuzzy understanding of the sustainability of a food product and then make decisions off of that metric. That being said, it can lead to this sort of thinking that all of the environmental impacts or the inputs that go into producing food become sort of embedded in this product, right? So we can think of like a tomato or something as having embedded in it all of the carbon dioxide that was emitted as a result of its production from farm to supermarket, from cradle to grave, where we can see all of the fossil fuel that is embedded in it as a result of both the manufacture of the pesticide and fertilizer, but also its transportation, you know, energy use along the line. But what I take issue with is when those metrics of embeddedness are argued to be wasted when food goes to waste, because whether or not food is eaten by a human the environmental impacts that brought that tomato into being are said and done, right? They're basically, in economics, we would call those sunk costs. They are things that have happened that we can never get back. Even if we reduced food waste, even if we found something to do with that uneaten tomato, such that we were reducing food waste or diverting food from the waste stream, that would not somehow undo all of the environmental impacts that brought that tomato into being. A lot of the discourse around food waste has sort of suggested that if we reduce food waste, then automatically we're sort of conserving all of the resources that are going into this, into food production. To me, this is one of the sharpest parts of Austin's critique. Could a lot of the alleged environmental impacts of food waste actually be the impacts of food production? Let's assume for a moment that this is true. Then, as far as mitigating environmental impacts, waste reduction would at best reduce demand for production and reduce methane emissions from landfills. But if the problems really lie in production, should we be focusing on waste at all? The most radical version of my thesis is like, actually food waste as an issue at all is sort of this big distraction. And we should be thinking about other things that I think would actually do good on the claims that people make when they say that we need to reduce food waste for these environmental and these social reasons. When we're sort of thinking about food waste as this environmental cause, we're foreclosing or we're shutting off all of these other ways of thinking about food system sustainability that would actually address environmental impacts where they occur. That can really distract from more fundamental questions like, okay, how do we like reduce the use of pesticides on the farm in the first place? Or how do we reduce the energy intensity of monocrop agricultural production? Or how do we think about actually dealing with the CO2 emissions that occur across the food supply chain? or that are a result of our food systems sort of being tethered to the fossil fuel industry. This is a controversial idea, but it is compelling. And in some ways, it's an age-old debate. Should we focus on symptoms or causes? This gets us back to why diverting food waste might be an unhelpful band-aid for hunger. 
If it distracts from the core causes of hunger and creates yet another structure in the way of more fundamental reform, it could be contributing to the problem, perhaps as much or even more than it is supposed to be reducing hunger. This is definitely an atypical take, and I suspect that whether you really buy into it depends a lot on the sort of solutions and problems you believe in, which gets back to one of the issues Austin mentioned to me. Who gets to define problems and how? He brought this up when I asked him what he thought about being able to do both, to talk about food waste and still tackle more fundamental food systems problems. I think we can do both. What I take most issue with is just how very powerful actors within food systems are taking it up as their own cause in a way that only serves to further empower them. These are actors that I argue ought to be held more accountable. Food waste is this example of discursive corporate power where corporations are taking a greater role in diagnosing what the problem is such that any number of solutions that are proposed to solve that problem all really empower them even more. From this perspective, food waste diversion offers corporations, like Kroger, the appearance of environmental and social responsibility, even if the actual benefits are much smaller than they appear. This means that those framing food waste as a problem might be doing so less because it's a real problem and more because of self-interest. This might sound a lot like something you may have heard of before. Greenwashing. I think it's easy to throw stones. So I think the extent to which anyone or any company, organization, raises awareness about our food system, that's, I think, largely a good thing. The problem is particularly for-profit business models that take imperfect produce, ugly produce, bruised produce, funky-looking produce, and sell them and use a marketing campaign that says you're eating sustainably. Help create a more sustainable future of food by buying our box of imperfect lemons. I think largely there's a concern that that can turn really quickly into greenwashing of the food system in general and not really show people that there's something deeper at play here. And I worry that some people might think that they are eating sustainably by purchasing ugly produce. And if you put some ugly romaine on a burger and think that you're eating sustainably, you might be very misplaced. This comes back to the question of whether diverting food waste like this helps address the problems it is claimed to. And it seems it may not be the simple win-win that a lot of the conversation makes it out to be. But even then, there is something to that conversation. One of the things that I think there is great potential in all of this interest around food waste is that it's getting a ton of people really interested in thinking critically about food and food systems. And it's this really visually grabbing thing that's being talked about. So I think there's definitely like purchase in it. But... How do we make sure that we're not being limited by a particular way of seeing things? It's important for us to look at all of these instances where we're concerned about waste and really think deeply about why we're concerned. Because I guess all of this is to say, and time as an analogy really brings this up, sometimes we're okay wasting time and sometimes we're not. And I want to know why that is and in what cases are we okay? And then what's the analogy? Like how do we extend that analogy to food? Right now, it's waste is bad. Let's minimize waste. And I want to say, let's think much more deeply about this. Why is waste bad? Where is waste bad? And let's make sure we design solutions that really target the biggest culprit. And right now in the food system, I see really, really smart, well-intentioned, good people focusing on the wrong parts of food waste. 
Waste is such an interesting topic across our food systems because there are so many different inputs. And one of them that's often overlooked and underappreciated and is filled with abuse is the labor. And we don't yet have an accounting metric to measure the labor costs and use those costs to inform our notion of waste. So when we go to a fancy restaurant and we spend an insane amount of money on this meal, and maybe we thought, oh my God, it was a waste to spend that much money, or seeing the amount of effort and time that went into making this perfect, beautiful plate, maybe that is an entryway or a helpful framework for seeing the human and non-human labor costs involved. And yeah, I just want more people to basically see everything that's behind the plate, that's behind the meal, and use all of those inputs and all of the externalities, for lack of a better word, and incorporate those into a decision about what restaurants should we patronize? What food products should I buy? What meals should I cook for my family or my loved ones? We need to embody these values in our lives and in the consumption choices that we make. And food waste is just such a great topic because everyone's talking about it and it's such a perfect door and entry point to have those types of conversations. After all, that's the whole point of this episode, to open up the food waste conversation with some fresher perspectives. Evolving conversations are certainly something that can help improve food systems, and conversations as old as this one should evolve. The American public has been concerned with food waste for a long time. It even found its way into U.S. World War I and World War II propaganda, with posters calling food ammunition and a weapon that we shouldn't waste. The way we talk about food waste today may not look quite like that, but perhaps food waste is still weaponized, maybe by corporations, maybe by NGOs as a way to get people thinking about food systems. Food waste has been political before and politicized before. Organizations like even anarchist organizations like Food Not Bombs have done a lot of interesting like dumpster diving sort of projects to sort of reveal the broader power structures in society that can generate so much food waste while at the same time generate so much poverty. For those organizations, the problem isn't food waste itself. It's actually all of these structural issues inherent to capitalism or lack of labor protections or an artificially low minimum wage. So they're really tethering food waste to a whole broader range of problems rather than making it the problem unto itself. And I think my major critique is just the way that making food waste a problem unto itself can do a lot of damage if we're not thinking about these structural issues. This gets us back to this episode's core question, asking why food waste is a problem unto itself, whether it is, and how we might want to think differently about it. It's a tension, I think, on the one hand, to interrogate why efficiency is good in the first place. I want to design systems that are efficient, for example, in the distribution of nutritious foods, because I want to ensure that the most people can have access to nutritious foods. On the other hand, I do think it's really if not intellectually interesting, actually practically important to move beyond our very deep-seated notions of consumerism and capitalism and efficiency and think about these values like, what would a food system look like that celebrated waste? Do we need to move beyond these notions in our lives in the first place? Like, we don't have any problem wasting time with friends. Why do we think waste is inherently a bad thing? And there is maybe an art to being wasteful. And what does that look like? How might we waste things in meaningful ways? This, of course, is not to say we should be frivolous. 
It's not to say we should kill animals, turn them into food products, and then waste those products by any means. But it is merely an attempt to at least interrogate the deep-seated values of efficiency and productivity and explore what these types of systems or what our lives would look like if we were more comfortable with waste. If the values that we're optimizing for in our food systems are around productivity, scale, efficiency, then waste is clearly something that we want to minimize. But if we instead design food systems to optimize for values like care, equity, resilience, if we want to create a more humane food system, then perhaps we reevaluate waste as a problem. And maybe it's not just such a simplistic discourse around we need to minimize waste, we need to focus on strategies to reduce waste post-harvest, we need to like create ugly produce campaigns, we need to do all this stuff. And more about stepping back and saying, like, why are we doing all of this? What are our values? What are our goals? And what's the future food system we want to create? And if we approach this question about waste from that angle, maybe the opportunities open up much more broadly for creating new systems that actually achieve our goals. Thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat, a podcast from the Yale Sustainable Food Program. We're empowered by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this content, do help us spread the word about our podcast by sharing with your friends, subscribing, rating us on Apple Podcasts, or writing us at sustainablefood at yale.edu. Maybe all the above. This episode was produced by Josh Kimmelman, Amy Zhang, Thomas Hagen, and myself. Mixing by Ryan McAvoy of the Yale Broadcast Studio. Music by Eddie Joe Antonio and Louis De Felice. Artwork by Logan Howard. Program support by Jacqueline Munno, Jeremy Oldfield, and Mark Bomford.